Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alindavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free free. Welcome to Kindred, the show shining a light on local mental health professionals who are the unsung heroes of our community. Join us as we explore their stories, strategies, and the art of healing minds. Let's break the stigma and celebrate resilience together. This is Kindred, where understanding begins and healing flourishes. Today, we're honored to welcome Keely Clark, LCSW and founder of Mother Bloom Wellness in Asheville, North Carolina. Keely's virtual therapy serves clients in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida, while her coaching reaches nationwide. Her passion lies in helping mothers reconnect with their authentic selves through self-compassion and self-care. Drawing from personal experiences with prenatal anxiety, birth trauma, and postpartum depression, Keely guides individuals in reparenting and nurturing their inner selves. Through attachment theory, EMDR, and mindful self-compassion, she supports perinatal individuals and parenting couples, empowering moms to find meaning in their experiences. Welcome, Keely. Thank you so much, Aubrey. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm so excited because the first time that we met, you came into a call that I was hosting and we just got to talking and I felt like we could keep talking for a long time. So I'm really excited that we're getting to do this two-part episode today. Definitely. I love to connect with other moms and to um, meet other clinicians and yeah, bring hear more about what others do and, and share uh, what at my passion that I love working with moms as well. And what a need there is. I mean, I, I'm obviously a mom and as a mom, like a lot of my friends are also moms just because that's when you're a mom, that's how you make friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited to be able to share this episode with them. Um, and just the other providers who are serving moms who, you know, could use this information just as a way to be able to help inform their practice. Absolutely. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about your background, like how you got to the place that you're at now? Yeah. Wow. Um, feels like a, a quite the journey, a long time in the making. I have not always um, specialized in working with mothers. I started uh, what feels like a lifetime ago um, in, a, in a different service field um, once I completed an undergraduate in psychology, I worked in um, children and family services uh, for a stint of a few years in Wilmington, North Carolina. I was a juvenile court counselor and worked with children um, and youth who had been adjudicated um, of the, um, 
it's I don't even know know what I want to say about that now. It feels like so so long ago, but yeah. So so um, children and families who are working with the legal system basically and helping them get rehabilitative services. And um, it was in that time that I kind of intersected with the discipline of social work and thought like I might like to further my career in that. And so that's what I did. I ultimately went back for a master's after a few years. And um, similarly, went back into children and families, mental health after uh, completing my master's degree. And then kind of by um, happenstance, by having landed an internship with the VA just for one year of my grad school program, I worked with the VA hospital setting. Um, and after a brief stint back in June, um, children and family mental health services, I decided to go back into the VA healthcare system because I felt like it was a really great system that supported um, a great cause. It had a lot of great resources and it really esteemed the field of social work. And so I was there for about seven to eight years. But in that time of working in um, chronic homelessness was actually the area of clinical work where I was working at the time uh, while there, I had my, um, my first daughter in 2012. And um, what to say about that? I, I, you, you think, you know, you think you're ready, you think you're, um, you're, you're excited. And then I was just blown away, I think, by how um, much I didn't know, how much I didn't expect, um, it, how hard it would be. Um, I, uh, it's funny because I actually, I don't even think I knew how hard it, it felt to me until like sharing with friends and actually colleagues at the time, fellow social workers, um, that I was struggling and someone making mention to me, have you thought about, um, an antidepressant? And it, it was so novel, such a new idea to me at the time. Um, and I, quite actually I was con, um, surprised that my own providers hadn't mentioned it up to then. But when the friend suggested it and I went then went to my provider and asked, it was in taking um, sertraline about three months, four months postpartum. I had just returned to work. Um, and so I think I was especially struggling. And that's why a friend suggested it. Um, that I, the way I share the experience, it's like I began to see things in color again. Things felt more um, hopeful and optimistic, whereas up to that point, it's like I just felt like this fog had kind of settled over me. I was going through the motions, you know, I was, um, I had an, a newborn or an infant three or four months old who was, I had to take to daycare every day so that I could go back to this career, this nine to five job, um, five days a week. I was going through the motions. Um, I remember coming home and like, just feeling like the, the realization would hit me. Like my, my, the work's not over. Like, even though I've been in this office job from eight, eight to five today, um, I come home and now it's like round two. I have to like wash all the bottles. I have to wash all the pump parts. I have to connect with my daughter. I have to make sure that, you know, she's fed and if she needs a bath, um, if she needs to be, um, um, I mean, anything that she may have needed, um, 
it was extra. And so for the, like, I think I realized, or, or that was part of like where I was really struggling, um, that I, uh, am a, a little bit nervous. <laughs> no, sharing, sharing the story. It's funny. Cause I haven't talked about it in years. Wow. Um, well, this part is so relatable, and, and I had shared a little bit with you about my experience, but like, you know, it's becoming more well-known about postpartum depression, depression, but it's it's more like the label is out there, but not really like the true like experience or the exactly. of, like what is involved with this. So it's That's right. helpful to like hear real stories about like, what is this really like? Right. right. I think the the, honestly, I just felt really hopeless and helpless and unhappy um, in my life in those early months because of how hard it was, how much it demanded of me and how much like life demanded of me. I had to, I had to move back into the role professionally while also still very much adjusting to being a mom. And I, I just, I, I was really struggling. And so back to the medication, because yeah, my thought on that is like, there's also this piece of grieving the life without your child. Absolutely. Yeah. The ease of being able to come home after a day's work and maybe take a walk or go get a workout in or just rest on the couch and maybe uh, zone out to, I don't think it was Netflix at the time, but, but something to, to turn on HGTV or whatever the thing was that just brought me kind of some comfort and ease and rest. I couldn't access that anymore. I, I was very much tied up in all the responsibilities and it was kind of like sun up to sundown. I was working in some capacity. There was something being demanded of me or needed of me. And there was no connection to myself, uh, being able to to take care of what I needed. So it so it felt at the time uh, in all that adjustment. And so yeah, a real grief in losing my freedom. The other piece of this too, and you know, I don't want to put your partner on the spot, right? So like, I think that this is more of just a very general thing. Is that oftentimes our partners kind of go on as though life is kind of the same. And that can make it very difficult on the mother feeling like, you know, we have this whole other added burden in life. So I'm I'm kind of wondering, like, where where were you at in all of that? Like, I know for me, my partner was wonderful, right? But at the same time, being a man, not having gone through the same chemical changes, like there's only so much that he can understand. Absolutely. And there's more that I know today that I can speak to that um, for sure from a place of understanding now. But at the time, I was not yet specialized in this area. And so um, did not know a lot of the what's true and normal. Um, and yes, absolutely. My, my partner at the time um, and my children's father, uh, he, he was great. He, I think he wanted to participate and do as much as he could. And at the same time, I, I used to jokingly, um, well, or jokingly now, less jokingly back then, but share how like a very clear and distinct image is like being up in the middle of the night. My daughter was crying again. It was time to feed her, you know, one of the middle of the night nursing and, and like trying to get settle her, get her back to sleep and looking over at 
um, my partner at the time and, and him, you know, rolled over with his back to me still sleeping and kind of having slept through all of it. And just like, never had I wanted to just like punch someone so hard in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? just like The image of like shaking them like, ah! right. 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 Just the, the anger and frustration and, and a deep sense of isolation and aloneness. Like I was the only one who could provide for her. I was the only one um, who could nurse her, who could meet that need. Um, and even if he had been awake, what would he do? Like it didn't make sense to wake him up to or, or so I thought at the time to like have us both be awake. Like I, I was trying to caretake for everyone by letting him have his sleep, but also be up and responsive to my daughter, but ultimately feeling really alone and isolated and sad um, in that. So you had started to kind of mention now that you're specialized, like what have you yeah. learned then? Yeah, so, so much. Um, I would say it was after, you know, my daughter was born and actually I had my son in 2016 and that's what really cemented uh, my trajectory that I, this was an area of interest for me. There was an area of what felt like a lot of gaps and not enough people were um, normalizing things for myself when I was moving through my um, maternal care. Uh, providers weren't I mean, I think there were screenings, but there weren't conversations happening about my mood or anxiety and how this, how my brain was changing. You know, this is something that I've learned in hindsight and looking back, it's like, absolutely, yes, there are so many neurobiological shifts that happen um, in our bodies, you know, chemically and hormonally, obviously, we know that. But actually, um, the way that the brain reorganizes itself, as I've learned um, in women, in childbearing individuals, it's like mother nature's way of getting you ready to be attuned to this being once they're on the outside, the way it was presented when I first learned, it's like, you know, the human fetus actually needs about, you know, ideally would benefit from a couple more months, a few more months of gestation, but our heads get too large. And so we have to deliver, um, at the nine months term that we do. But that's kind of why, you know, the first two to three months postpartum are as particularly critical as they are. There's so much neurocognitively uh, still happening uh, for the infant that the, the primary caregiver's attunement to the infant and responsiveness to the infant is obviously um, um, imperative. It, it's, it's the way that the baby survives. And so Mother Nature... Um, to, to support that dyad and to support that survival has created shifts um, in our own brain as we are developing in, through pregnancy to, be, to set us up to be ready for that kind of responsiveness and attunement to the infant in postpartum. And so, yeah, yeah. This, is this, this is the area where I told the story of, of what happened during my postpartum period the second time around. This didn't happen the first time around for me, which is why it was kind of shocking and scary for me. You know, so it was like I we have um, probably like 20 feet from the uh, deck upstairs of my house. And uh, also we live in a split level branch. And so there's like an area where there's a stairwell in our, in our house 
where you can stand at the top and it's basically like a balcony and overlooking it. It's probably a good like 10, 15 feet down. So oh. both of these areas, I mean, my daughter was born in May, so I'd be walking either outside on the deck and it's beautiful outside and, you know, nursing her, rocking her, walking back and forth or, you know, walking by that balcony inside of the house. And like almost every single time I'd walk by, I'd have this like flash image that was so vivid of, you know, like trigger warning for anybody, but it was just like this flash image of just like chucking her over the side. Yeah. And like, it scared the crap. Just scared me. And like, it was like this flash image. And then I would have a hard time being able to get that image out of my mind. And then I'd start worrying about it. Like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, I really don't want to do this. I love my child. Like, I don't like, I don't want anything to happen to her. I would just like hold her so much tighter and I'd like uh-huh. hold her so much closer. And I ended up going to my OBDYN for our, you know, routine checkup after the fact. And I was like really nervous to even say anything, but thankfully she was just really kind and welcoming. She was like, do you have any questions about anything that's going on? I was like, well, actually, and I was like so timid about the way that I, uh-huh. and I'm really not a timid person. Like I'm very like straightforward and tell you what it, what it is. Right. So I can only imagine for those people who are um, usually very shy and not so forthcoming, how hard it would be to be able to ask this. Right. Right. It's even hard for me to ask. And I was like, what is this thing that like keeps on happening? And she said to me, she was like, well, actually like that's your brain telling you and giving you some signals to make sure that you keep your baby safe. And as long as you're feeling fear around that, then that actually means that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and keeping your baby safe. That's right. You don't feel like, ooh, like a desire to do it, which is where things are going wrong for people, then like you're good to go. And I think just normalizing that helped take so much anxiety out of it. And so then I was able to, when those signals came up, I was like, okay, thank you, brain. I don't need that. You're kind of scaring the crap out of me. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, it's it's um, another piece that I've too have learned in all my training that that the the prevalence of what we would call that is an intrusive thought, right? Like the prevalence of that in the postpartum and perinatal period is very high, and that's absolutely yeah, a testament to kind of to what is happening at at that brain level that we are. Um, our, our fears, our anxieties are are much more sensitive and and in an out of in an adaptive way to support you know your, yours and your baby's safety and your bond um, but it can be terribly frightening and absolutely like to, to talk about it to bring that up to your provider um, it's interesting because even given all that I know I still feel a little bit of the guilt or shame in admitting today what I recall in my um, my own intrusive thought experience, they were of a sexual nature and how disturbing that was for me. But what I've since learned also is that that's actually pretty common. And if there are the, the, the themes of hurting, dropping, um, and uh, something of a, of a sexual nature, harmful happening to your baby. Those are actually really common themes for tr- intrusive mm-hmm. thoughts for women. Um, but yeah, when you consider like the, will I be judged for this? What would someone think about me if they knew I was having thoughts 
of this nature, you know, something uh, of this horrific kind of um, unfathomable, like, uh, topic happening to my child, if they knew that I was worried about this, like, what would they think about me? And so, yeah, there's all kinds of stigma there and lots of reasons why I, I, I never did. I never, I never brought that up uh, to my provider. And even today still feel um, kind of that icky feeling when I admit it. But I, I do because I want to normalize that it is a common part of postpartum for many, many, many women. Well, thank you for sharing about that. I know that that's hard and, and you know, requires a certain level of bravery. Um, and I imagine that by sharing that, that that's helping your clients as well. Yep. Be able to talk about their experiences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's, um, I, you know, I've worked with women who didn't. Uh, kind of much uh, similar to you, they had had thoughts, they had intrusive images and and fears. And if we're not addressing it, like I, I'm so grateful for you that you had a healthcare provider who was able to normalize that and support you and help you reframe it so that you could work through that. If we don't get that, it can actually, um, for lack of a better word, like fester. So it's like, I've, I know I have worked with women who, maybe didn't find me in the postpartum period, but in fact, it's like, it's been some months or years later, but they're still um, very much um, kind of undoing like anxiety or depression that took root in the postpartum period uh, or somewhere in the perinatal period, but it was, it was complicated and it didn't really get treatment in that window of time. And so you know, if, if not addressed, it can actually linger or, or create some residual mental health complications later on. So normalizing it as early as possible, even if we've not had, you know, a child yet, just a a woman entering the maternal kind of transition, um, knowing that these things are, uh, common and something we can be watchful for, but not necessarily have to be afraid of can make a big difference in supporting that adjustment. Kelly, that's a really good spot to leave off on because I think in our next part, we can go more into depth on, you know, what the continuation postpartum and, and some of the complications that you've seen as well. So let's go ahead and take a break here. Will you let um, listeners know where they can find you? Absolutely. Yep. So I have a website, um, motherbloomwellness.com. And I am also on social, uh, Instagram and Facebook at motherbloomwellness. Okay. Well, for those of you who are listening, you can find out more information about this show, Kindred, on bizradio.us. And be sure to like and subscribe and uh, tune back in for part two of this with Keely. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.